0: The mission of Jesus can sometimes make people grumpy. The mission of Jesus can sometimes make people grumpy. Um, Grace Church had a party on the beach uh, at, 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 the end of, at, at the beginning of September last year. Perhaps you remember it. We baptised some people in the sea uh, on St. Helens Beach. Now, I'm sure, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm, I'm fairly confident that some who were on the beach that day at St. Helens probably thought, what are that lot doing, ruining our beach today?
1: I expect some thought, what? what are they do- Why do they think they're so special? I suspect they weren't the only ones. I would imagine that friends and
0: family who'd been invited to come and see the the baptisms, I suspect they might have been grumpy as well. I I, I know him, I know her, I know. They're nothing special. Strikes me as pretty outrageous making a fuss about these people. I mean, who are they? I mean, I'm good with God. Frankly, I think I'm better than these wasters. Sorry if we baptised you that day, by the way. (laughs) It sounded good in my notes.
1: I imagine some there thought i you know what, what are they do? what are they doing that lot pretty grumpy about it pretty pretty angry about it I, I can 't see what the fuss is about Frankly, i don 't know what i 'm doing here on this
0: beach today. The mission of Jesus can sometimes make people grumpy. Well, hold that thought because today we 're in these parables of jesus in luke 's gospel. we've called this little series. Um, tales of the unexpected and today we're going to hear a word from the Lord Jesus
1: for when we are tempted to feel grumpy, grumpy that Jesus is accepting some kinds of people so if you're a Christian here this morning expect to be surprised
0: maybe you're here this morning and and maybe you can get grumpy
1: well expect to be challenged Maybe you're here looking on at the Christian faith and already you're grumpy. Well, again, you might expect something surprising to happen. We expect
0: this morning to be stirred and to see the message of the Lord Jesus afresh. We're looking at this story, the parable of the prodigal son. Maybe you know it. It'll be familiar, I think, to many of us. Well, we want to look at it afresh. So let's look at the context of this story Come with me to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Here's the setting where this famous story was told. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. That's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus' mission is making people grumpy. It's making the Pharisees grumpy. They've drawn lines. Here are these sinners, tax collectors and so on, people who are openly, notoriously godless. They've lived horrendous lives, and in the view of the
1: Pharisees, these people should be treated like the plague. They're unclean, and what's an absolute outrage that Jesus should be parting with them? They're beyond the pale. And so they grumble. It's no surprise they feel this way. This group referred
0: to as the sinners, the tax collectors, and so on. Well, they've been extorting the Israelites. And now Jesus seems to pretend that it's okay when they've done this and this and this and this. Isn't life bad enough? Haven't we been hurt already? And there's all this mess. They're grumpy. Jesus' table, Jesus' party, Jesus' mission makes them angry. Now, you could say this morning, well, that... Fine, okay, I, I see that. But that's not an issue for me. I, I, can, I can see why, that, why Jesus' mission would make people on the beach
1: angry that sunny September afternoon. That's an issue. I can see that being an issue for them and an issue for the Pharisees.
0: Now, before you switch yourself off and before you excuse yourself from all of what is to follow, I think it's worth being honest, isn't it? Sooner or later... Someone is going to come to church, be accepted and welcomed, and you
1: and I are going to find it hard. Maybe someone will come to church who's personally caused you harm. Maybe someone comes to church and you know some gossip about them, some secret's been told to you about that person. Maybe maybe that person's been honest about their failings, but their failings are a real issue for you. Maybe you're the kind of person who says, there are some kind of people with some kinds of sins that I can't accept.
0: I can't accept people in the church who've got an anger problem. I can't accept people in the church who I know have have sinned sexually or or have neglected their family. Even if the church seems to accept them,
1: I, I can't. Jesus' mission makes people grumpy. And we're naive if we think that might not happen to us, I think.
0: So here is a word from Jesus, a word from Jesus to these grumbling Pharisees, a word to potentially grumbling disciples as he goes on mission, as he goes to the cross. Three things we're going to see then in this famous story.
1: First thing to see, number one, point number one this morning, you can be cross with sinners. You can be cross with sinners, sort of. You can be cross with sinners, sort of. You
0: notice this in the context. Just look back again there at the beginning of chapter 15. Uh, This famous parable is actually one of three, isn't it? We've got a parable of lost sheep. One lost sheep in a hundred. I mean, that's bad enough, losing one in a hundred. The owner goes to find the lost sheep, and then he has a party. Losing one in a hundred is pretty bad. And then the next story, a woman who's lost one coin out of ten, ten percent of her savings. Now that's pretty, pretty bad. And she searches, she finds it, she has a party. And now here is a story about a a father who has just two sons. What if you had two sons and you lost
1: one of them? That would be devastating, wouldn't it? But what if it was they that ran away? You see, you can be angry at the runaways, can't you? You can be angry at the sinners,
0: sort of. Uh, Follow the story, look at verse 11 that we had read for us. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. A father has two sons, and the younger one says, give me my inheritance now. Now maybe you think he's just a little bit impatient. Maybe um, he's got money problems. We've all got money problems right now. Um, Maybe he just wants a house deposit. And so, you know, plenty of people do equity release, don't they? I mean, surely this is, this is no big deal. But that's not it, is it? What is this son saying? He's saying, Dad, give me what's coming to me. I want it now. He's saying, Dad, I've got no care for you.
1: You are better off to me dead. I want your money, and I want to get away from you. That's the heart of the young son. Does it make your blood boil? I suspect it should. See, you can be cross with sinners, can't you? Sort of. But this is what all sinners do. If the son is making you cross, well, have a look for a moment in the mirror. All sinners say, God, I'd rather you were dead. I'd like the gifts without the giver despite the fact
0: that you loved me and you made me, I'd rather you were six foot under in the grave so I could have your stuff and have
1: nothing to do with you. Oh, you can be cross with sinners. You can be grumbling. But only so far as, well, only until you realize this is a picture of every human heart
0: and every human being. Despite how good we have been, despite the good things we
1: think we have done, we have all rejected God in the world that he has made. It's like saying we wanted him dead. So we can be cross
0: with sinners. We can complain about people in the church, or that person in the church, until we see that our hearts are in the same place. No matter what the sin on the surface, that's what we're all like underneath it all. You can be cross with sin sorta, of, but
1: you can't sustain it.
0: Not really. Well, so the story goes, the father has patience where the son has none. He grants him his request. Jesus tells us, look, verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now, notice how awful this is. Um, he, he, he severs all of his ties with his family and his community, and he goes to a far country. Uh, it's like those Israelites in the Old Testament, isn't it? Always wanting to be back in Egypt, always wanting to go to that far away place. And notice how upsetting it is. Everything his father had earned, half of his father's wealth,
1: all of his inheritance, did he steward it? No, he squandered it. That's how much he cared for his dad
0: and what he'd achieved. Orgies and parties and he's living the, living the dream but it's incredulous, it's unbelievable, it's atrocious behaviour. And in a sense, it should make us angry, shouldn't it? Because here's this young lad with his desires and his dreams, but it's all founded on a
1: preference for death, the death of his father. And those of us who know the story then feel vindicated
0: when it all ends in disaster.
1: Aha, he's had
0: his just desserts. Quite so, we think. Verse 14 tells us um, how the young man spent all he had. I guess the credit cards came out next. But then there's a famine. Prices go up. Unemployment goes up. There's a cost of living crisis. And he's at the wrong end of it. Now, I can't help myself here. Will you excuse an aside? It's worth saying, this: the, what's going on here is an economically uh, cogent well-explained explanation <laughs> of of our cost-of-living crisis. If you think Jesus doesn't know what a cost-of-living crisis is like and what it's like to be under uh, in a hard place, he, he does. You, you can turn to him. Just, just notice that here. He knows exactly how it turns out. And you can turn to him. Well, this guy, this son, has nowhere to turn. In fact, the only job he can get is as a pig herder, a pig feeder. Sounds pretty bad. I think it probably was. Out in the cold, far away from society, and what made it worse was that pigs were richly unclean uh, to the Israelites. I expect the pig farmer had a bit of a laugh giving this foreign Israelite this particular job. Pretty cruel. So cruel, in fact, he doesn't even feed his uh, employee. Ah, there he is. He looked like a fancy, wealthy, foreign prince parting away months ago. But look at him now. And the pigs snuffle their food and some of it falls in the mud and manure. This young lad salivates over it.
1: You can hear the Pharisees cheering, can't you? Maybe we are too. This son has got what he deserved. Yes, you can be angry with sinners, sort of, in a way.
0: But as we follow this story, we must ask, what if that happened to you?
1: What if God said, you want your independence, you want my stuff without me? Well, what if I let you have it? It's something God does sometimes. We choose we choose death. (laughs) We choose to be without the God of
0: life. And God says, okay, well, see how that goes. You wanna you wanna go after all your satisfactions? Well, go for it. See where it ends. Will it really be good? Well, here's this young son at the end of the road, and the story resounds to clapping. The clapping of the Pharisees. Here's this lad, and he's finished. He's He's got no comeback from where he is, no friends, no help, no favours to call on. He's got his just desserts. He's reached the end of the road and it looks like he'll stay there the rest of his life. I mean, seriously,
1: he's got no, how does he get anywhere? He's got no money. He's got no food. He doesn't, his life's over. He's stuck there. But then God does something. Something miraculous happens. The,
0: the text says in verse 17 that he, he, he gets woken up, basically somehow this young lad comes to himself. He's woken out of his self-involved, selfish life. He's woken up by the thought of his father. Now this young son has been so selfish, so murderous in intent to his father. I don't suppose that we can think that he would have had any thought of his father without a miracle. Least of all a good thought about his father. My dad's a better boss than this. His servants eat and I'm starving to death. He's had a miraculous wake-up call. And look at verse 18, look, what he, what he, look at his thought process. I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hard servants. And he arose and came to his father. See, you can grumble.
1: I can grumble. We can be cross with rebels and runaways. But what if they Repent. What
0: if God leads people to the end of the road precisely so that he can turn them back to himself?
1: Bit of a challenge here for you. Ask around at Grace Church. I don't think it'll take you very long to find out
0: that many of us were actually at the end of ourselves. Many of us were actually
1: at the end of the road as it was. And God had taken us there. God had used the tragedy, the pain, our own selfishness, the mess we've gotten ourselves into. God used that to turn us back to him. This is what God does actually in other parts of the Bible.
0: In the Old Testament, the Israelites said, we want to worship foreign gods. We want foreign kings. And so God said, all right then. I'll have the Assyrians cart you off into exile. I'll have the Babylonians take you to a far off land. That's what God God did, precisely so that when they got to that foreign land, he could call them home. Return to me, return to me. You you can be cross with sins, but what if God is on a journey with them? What if
1: actually he's going to bring them home and call them home? Can you be cross then? What if there's real repentance?
0: Look at how the the son's speech goes again. uh, What does he do? He acknowledges his wrongdoing. There is confession. He even accepts the punishment, the loss of his sonship. And he doesn't presume on forgiveness, does he? He says, oh, I'm going to do acts of penance. I'm going to be a servant. Or so he thinks. He doesn't know what's ahead of him. He doesn't know the half of it. It's real repentance, isn't it? And and sure, saving his own skin might have been something in there that got him going. But his heart is changed, isn't it? Do you see what Jesus is saying? You can be cross with sin sort of, but until... But, but not if you know you're one of them, that you are too. You can be
1: crossed with sinners, but not when you know they've been taken to the end of the road. Not if you see repentance. See, friends, people are going to be responding to Jesus. Jesus is
0: proclaiming a message of forgiveness of sins. Some are going to return to God. They're going to come to a party like the tax collectors and the sinners. And you could grumble self-righteously. We could all say, oh, but don't you know what they've done? Don't you
1: know the kind of problems? They he's, got a, he's got a drink problem. Don't you know the mess they've caused? But we'd be hypocrites, wouldn't we? We
0: are all sinners. We all need the Father's mercy. God owes us nothing, does he?
1: So point number one, look. You can be cross with sinners, but only sort of. Point number two. We'll see this as we meet the
0: father. You should rejoice at repentance. Point number two, you should rejoice at repentance. The young man begins his long walk home. Now, we don't hear much about the journey because, of course, we're told, look at verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. That the father should see this young son on this day of all days that's a coincidence beyond belief, isn't it? Presumably, the father has been looking and searching for his son every day since he left, longing for his return. He sees him while he's a long way off. Perhaps he's in an upstairs bedroom with his binoculars. I like to imagine that, that actually the father's gone every day to the outskirts of the city, to the city walls to search for his son. I'll let you decide.
1: But at that moment of sight, the father is filled with deep compassion in his guts and he runs to his son. And for an old
0: man in those days, so I'm told, to pick up your robes and run, it's beneath the dignity of a father. But he doesn't care. He will run to his son. The son that wanted him dead has come home. He embraces his son. I wonder if that's an English translation. An uptight one. He wraps his arms around him. The tears flow. There's kissing. And the, and the son's speech starts, is not it, verse 21? Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son but the father won't let him finish the speech. There is no way that this father is letting this son try and redeem himself. He will not allow this son to finish his speech and say, I'll be a servant. No, you won't. The father will redeem him. The father will cover his shame. The father will do everything necessary to restore this son and take him home. Look what he does, verse 22. The father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. The robe says publicly, This son has the father's favor. He says, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The ring is the marker that this runaway is a fully fledged son once more. And look at verse 23. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This father determines to have a massive, massive party. Um, To kill a calf... Is you're going to feed the village you're going to feed the whole town right think hog roast and bigger okay this father d- despite the fact that this son hurt him and hurt the whole community well, the father wants to say he's restored in fact more than that the father wants to say this is my son i'm having a party because he's back from the dead this son was dead where he landed where he ended up and now he's risen from the dead he's restored The son that was starving in a pigsty is now the centre of a feast
1: and the object of the father's joy. You ever had a family member come back from the cancer ward? What would you do if they did? I'd have thought you'd have a celebration, wouldn't you? What if you had a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter come back, not from the cancer ward, but from the mortuary? Can you imagine that? would you not party
0: the father parties God parties when a sinner repents you should rejoice when there's repentance and if God parties like this then so should we we should not be grumbling when the when people
1: surprise us who come back to God we should be rejoicing But we must stop also and say something else, something else vital. Some here today
0: will be feeling like that younger son, I suspect. Maybe this morning for the first time you've realised that you're a sinner and you know that you need to come home to God. And the feeling in the pit of your heart is you're just not sure how it will go. Will I be accepted? Well, if that's you today, you need to know that Jesus has done everything necessary for you to return to God. We get clothed with his robes of sonship. We get the ring and the shoes and the fattened calf because of him. If you turn to God today, there will be a party.
1: There may be grumbling in the background from some Pharisees and self-righteous types, but with God there is rejoicing. What what does this say for us if we're Christians? What does this do for us? Well, let me, for a moment,
0: take us back to that beach in Benbridge last September. Uh, When Grace Church had those baptisms in the sea, what feedback do you think we ought to have asked for? What questions do you think we should have asked? Was the sound equipment right that day? It was a bit windy. I couldn't hear what was going on. Was the beach the right beach? St. Helens is a funny place, isn't it? <coughs> Why on earth did we? Are those the questions we should have been asking? I think this passage tells us, no, those questions, are, I mean, they're nice, they're practical. They're not the real question. The real question is, did we party well enough?
1: Did we rejoice enough? Did we party big enough and hard enough, as it were? Because God was celebrating. We should have been too. That party in heaven, would not heaven's parties blow away ours? St. Patrick's Day, the
0: secular Christmas Day, the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, the King's coming coronation. Move over, right? I don't know what you've got planned for your 20th birthday, your 30th birthday, your 40th birthday, your 50th birthday, your 60th birthday, whichever. 70th whichever one's next for you but friends whatever parties you have planned surely god's party is way bigger than what you've got in your head a son back from the dead repentance resurrection rejoicing right some will grumble jesus mission makes people grumble christian are you going to let that stop
1: you god is waking up sinners he is searching for them he is running to them and he's bringing them home For a party. Now you can refuse. You can grumble. Like the Pharisees do here.
0: But the shock as we get to the end of this parable. Is that you'll be ending up. Lining up with the
1: older son. What have we seen this morning? Jesus has taught. You can be cross with sinners. Sort of. But really you should rejoice. At repentance. Thirdly. You can refuse. You can
0: refuse to rejoice. But you'll be rebuked. You can refuse to to rejoice, lots of ours, but you're rebuked. We come finally to the older son. He's out in the field. He's not in the far country, is he? He's just out in the field, but he's not home either, is he? The party started, he hears it from the field, but already he's withdrawn. He doesn't rush home, he asks a servant, what's going on? And the servant replies, you see it in verse 27? Uh, your brother's come home and your father's killed the and calf because he's received him back safe and sound.
1: Look at verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. He is angry. He
0: refuses to rejoice at his brother's homecoming. What's he thinking? It's not fair. He hasn't done what I've done. I've stayed at home. I've been working for Dad. He's lived the dream for free, that young son. He's gotten away with it. I never got anything. This is outrageous after all I've done.
1: This brother seems to think that what's happened is an injustice. When we know it's a miracle. His brother, who was dead for all he knew, is
0: back safe and he's angry. He's angry at his dad. All those years, his dad had been searching. Couldn't he at least be happy for his dad? In the culture of that day, I'm told it would be expected that the older son, the older brother, would represent the father. So if the dad wanted his younger son back, well, the eldest son would be on the next flight out to the far country, would be searching the clubs, and the highways and the byways. But it turns out this older brother had never done. Never the thought never occurred to him. He'd, He'd never done such a thing. He only cared about himself and earning what was for himself. See, it turns out the older son in the story. Well, his relationship with his dad is just as messed up as the younger son's. The younger son may have wanted his dad dead so he could have the inheritance. The older son instead wanted
1: just to work for the inheritance. But both of them aren't being sons. He wants to work. That's
0: what a servant does. Neither of them wanted to be sons, really. They just wanted their stuff, they just showed it in different ways. And so the older son complains, this hasn't worked out for me. Turns out the older son is just as lost as the younger son. Because the father has to come out again, doesn't he? And bring the other son back home. Please come to the party, we're celebrating. But look at verse 29, look at his speech as he stands firm in the field. Look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat and calf
1: for him. Do you hear how he's working to rule? Do you hear how all he cares about is his remuneration? I thought I'd at least get a, a goat for me and my mates. Notice, by the way, he's not interested in having his dad or his brother there, is he? And so he's rebuked. He's wanting to earn his way He's wanted to be a servant and he should have been a son.
0: Oh, you can refuse to rejoice at repentance. But then you're rebuked, aren't you? To be in God's family, to be a son of God, you don't slug your guts out like a servant. You repent and find mercy like the younger son does. The older son is lost indeed because he doesn't see what makes a son a son. What brings you an inheritance is having a father who loves you and will fight for you and will redeem you. And so it's like here the father says, son, you've got to stop thinking like this. This is not the way of the son. Come to the party. Stop grumbling. Look at verse 31. Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother
1: was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And there the story ends. I think quite deliberately so. Presumably the father goes back into the party and we're left to wonder what happened with the older son. Did he come back? Leaves it for the Pharisees to think about, for us to think about what did he do? Did he repent? Could he?
0: When he held so much against his brother, when he clung so much to all his efforts and his righteousness. See it turns out in the end of the story, well who was the most in danger? The notorious sinning younger son? Or was it the self-righteous oldest son? Because actually when the younger son was woken up, when he was confronted with the thought of his father, what did he do? He repented. But now here's the older son in the field confronted by his father. And there's a real danger. He'll never come home. He'll never come to the party. He'll never repent. Someone has said that it's easier for those who see themselves as sinners to repent. And it's much harder for those who think of themselves as righteous to repent of their own righteousness and to receive mercy. Today, then, there is a warning and a rebuke in this passage, isn't there, at the end? Sinners are coming home to God. And if you are cross about that, you're like the Pharisees. You're like the older brother. You've got God the Father all wrong. He doesn't
1: owe you anything and he just longs to show you mercy. Jesus' mission might make you grumpy, but it shouldn't. It should make you go, wow, God will receive me like that. I'll repent. I'll come home.
0: I'll come to the party. There's a party happening, and it's not based on what you and I have done. It's based on what Jesus has done. You see, Christ is God's only son. A true older brother who has the son of the father. He went seeking the lost, where this older brother never did. In fact, he even got himself lost for them
1: given over to death on the cross, that he might rise, that he might rescue, that we might rejoice. If you're a Christian here today, and you're grumpy
0: about people in the church, please see that you are in real danger.
1: See that you've got God the Father wrong. See that you might miss the party. But look, if you're here thinking, I'm like the younger son, if you're thinking, that's me, actually. I, I've lived it if, as if I wanted God dead, wanting his stuff without him. If you're here thinking that, well, you know what the next thought is, isn't it? Why don't I come home? Why don't I come home? Because the good news is this morning, it might make some grumpy.
0: But you can be as sure as Christ is risen from the dead that there isn't going to be any grumpiness in God the Father. He is looking for you right
1: now. And when you say, I will come home, there will be a party in heaven. So come home. On mission with Jesus, some people are going to get upset.
0: Friends, we must not let that self-righteousness put us off. We must not let it
1: affect our hearts. We are to welcome the sinner coming home, whoever they are, because that's me, isn't it? Don't let it stop the party. Because it doesn't stop God's party, does it? Shall we pray? Here's a prayer for you this morning if you are a younger son. Here's a prayer for you if you're a younger son. Loving Heavenly Father, I'm sorry that I've wanted you dead and I've wanted your stuff without you. Thank you for
0: helping me to see myself. Thank you for taking me to the end of the road that I might turn back. Thank you that Jesus has come looking for me. Thank you that Jesus has redeemed me at the cross. Thank you that he shed his blood in my place and given me his righteousness. Thank you I can wear his robes as a son,
1: wear his ring on my finger. And now I'm accepted and loved and that there's a party in heaven. Please give me your Holy Spirit that I might live for you now as I turn and repent and come home. Help me to have the joy of knowing this welcome. Here's a prayer for us if we're the older son this morning. Father, thank you for the warning this morning. Thank you for showing us what we're like. How grumbly we are in our hearts. How self-righteous we've become. How easy it is to think we're a servant and not a son. Father, help us to repent of our own righteousness. Our own works. Help us to repent of our pride. Help us to drop it all. And come to the party a prayer for us as a church? Father, as a church, we know that the mission of Jesus can make people grumpy. Father, would that not infect our community and our life together? Might we rejoice with all who come home to God? Might we rejoice that we've been able to come home as lost sons? We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.